of us tonight. I want to share just a few thoughts. Psalm chapter 85. Psalm chapter 85. When you turn there, if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. Psalm chapter 85. And we are going to read from verse 1 through to verse 7, if we could all read it audibly. Psalm chapter 85. And we're going to read verse 1 through to verse 7. Praise the Lord. Psalm 85, beginning to read at verse 1. Let's all read it together then. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation. Cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. Father, we just pray that you bless your word, that you would anoint it, and that you would speak to us tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, these few verses that lead us up into that verse, verse 6, is a verse that we know very well, as a verse that we've most likely heard so many messages preached on, many prayers have been prayed over it, many songs have been sung from it. Wilt thou not revive us again? that thy people may rejoice in thee. Will you not revive us again? Will you not, O Lord, revive us, revive us again? Revive your people, revive your church, revive your blood-bought, revive those that are called by your name. Revive us, O God, that your people might rejoice in thee. You know what a great cry from the psalmist. I believe it is the cry of our hearts, should be the cry of the heart of every believer as we look across the land at this time. We see the state of things in the nation, but we see the slumber and the sleep of the church that hasn't just started in recent days, but there has been a great sleep and a slumber that has swept over the church of Jesus Christ, particularly in this land, but I know it's more across the nations, the western nations of the world we see a great slumber and a sleep that has come, but it's started long ago. It started decades ago. It started very subtly. It started with a little compromise. It started with uh, slowly and surely a church that was on fire and remembering the old ways, the old past, the ancient landmarks. And central to everything was the preaching of the gospel and the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus, the name of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And those were the things that the church held dear and proclaimed and preached and prayed and sang and believed and lived in and walked in by faith. And slowly over the years we've become modernized and contemporary and slowly a compromise and a, a, a new way has come in. We, we know it, we're well versed on it, we've seen it, we've lived it. It's been in our generation, it's happened in our time, it's happened in our day, it hasn't happened before our time, although the beginnings of it, I believe, did happen. And so we see a church that slowly has gone asleep, has just been rocked asleep for revival to be needed. Something must have died. 
And the only thing that causes death is sin. When sin comes and when sin enters and when sin begins to take a hold and compromise and lukewarmness and, and a lethargic approach to the things of God, no longer God is the all in all. No longer is Christ the one that we come to adore and we live for and we worship. This is not entirely, but it has happened for a good majority of it, but not certainly at all. Then we come to a place that over years and generations, bit by bit, slowly, we come just to trust in the arm of flesh and the outward workings of the, 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 the tradition, if you like, of just going through the motions of religious acts, but denying the living reality and the power of a living Christ. And so as sleep comes and as sleep has fallen over the church of Jesus Christ, there's a sleep, there's a great sleep that has come and you know, the danger of a sleep, a spiritual sleep, we find in Matthew chapter 13, what happens when the church is asleep. The Bible tells us there, the Lord speaking about a parable. I know the context of the parable, but the principles that he brings forth of what happens, he says in Matthew 13 and 24, another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in the field, the good seed, of course, is the word of God. It is Christ that, 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 that sows that good seed, that incorruptible seed by which we're born again. But then it says in verse 25, But while men slept, his enemy, his enemy came. I want to tell you, friends, while we have slept, the enemy has come. While we have slept, while the church has been slowly rocked asleep, and the manifestation of that and the fruit of that is now what we're living in today. While, while the men and while the church is going to sleep, the enemy has came. The enemy would sow tares among the wheat and went his way. You know, we don't see the evidence of that sowing of the enemy on the same day that he sows. But now we are living in the fruit of what the enemy is sowing into the church of Jesus Christ over these years. Now we see that there is lies and there's deceit and there's all manners of sin begins to manifest and fear and confusion and division. Now everything of the focus of the church is not that which is the heavenly but that which is the earthly. And Jesus tells us very clearly that the enemy that sowed them in Matthew 13 and verse 39 he said the enemy that sowed them that is the devil. The devil has sowed in while the church has slept. This enemy, of course, is real. But there would be no looking for the enemy. There would be no way, that, or no stronghold, or, no, or foothold of the enemy if it were not that the church had gone asleep in the first place. While the church sleeps, you wonder in this age in which we're living in, when will it waken? When will there be an awakening? When will there be a reviving of the remnant of the body of Christ? When will the church arise? When will she shake off the, the slumber and the sleep and the things that so easily beset her and the sin that so easily has taken hold of the church and robbed her of her, of her figure and her power and of her authority? When will she awaken? The enemy is at his busiest when the church has fallen asleep. And the only threat to the kingdom of darkness today, friends, is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a church that is filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Jesus said these words, if you turn to it in John chapter 14 and verse 12, he said these words, John 14 and verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do so also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son, if ye shall ask anything in my name, Jesus said, I will do it. He that believeth in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. The works that I do, shall he do also. Jesus said it, and I believe it. Jesus said it, and I believe it. What works would he be referring to? I believe it's the works that John, when he was in prison, sent his disciples to inquire after the Lord. If you turn over to Matthew chapter 11, we see the works, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 3. These are the works that I believe that the Lord is referring to. Matthew chapter 11, verse 3. You remember the disciples of John have come to inquire after the Lord. And he said unto him, 11, 3, Art thou he that should come, or, should, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. I believe that's the works he's referring to. This is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to change lives completely. It is a supernatural power. It is a wonder-working power. It is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you turn over, these are very well-known verses, I know. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, the Great Commission, the works that the Lord is referring to. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And Jesus said in Mark 16 and 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs, these works, shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoke unto them, he was received up into heaven, sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people might rejoice in thee? Do you know what we need? We need God to revive us again. We need God to stir our hearts in this day of slumber and of sleep and of indifference. While we've slept, the devil, that is the enemy, has sown, sown his seed. The evidence of that now is all around us as we see the complete 
backslidden state of so much of the church of Jesus Christ today. We don't say that in any sense of the word, but in pain and in grief. God, would you not revive us again? There's a world that is broken. There's a world that is not interested. There's a world that is as hard as this pulpit, that have no interest in the things of God. You know, I read a wee article just the other day. It was such a blessing. It was a way back in 1986 when David Rivenhill went to, or David Wilkerson went up to, to New York before he started Times Square Church. And it just was an account of as he went on to the streets of New York and how drug addicts and how prostitutes and how transvestites and drunkards and tramps and nobodies and hopeless people by the power of the gospel began to get wonderfully saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. That was all it was. But that was enough. And he begins to give testimony of people as he began to meet them on the streets. People with no hope, people with nowhere to turn. And how just simply through the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Ghost, lives were instantaneously changed on the streets of New York. Drug addicts were set free. Drunkards were set free. The works that he did, that was the same works that David Wilkerson experienced on those streets. He began to share about the plague at that time that had swept over most of the Western nations. It was AIDS, if you remember back in the 80s when that plague began to sweep across the nations. And he began to share about those plagues. And he said in the writing, and this is what captured just my thoughts for a moment when he said, you know, when God sends plagues and judgments upon a nation, what happens to the nation is that the nation gets harder. You would think that in the midst of this plague and this pestilence, you would think that there would be a softening, that there would be a turning, that there would be a calling out to God. You would think that people would begin to turn. I know there's ones and twos that are coming through for the Lord, and we thank God for every one and every two that do. But in the, in the whole, there's a hardness against the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tommy Tommy Taylor, a 90-year-old man, still out giving out tracts and giving out gospel tracts. Nicky was sharing, he was sharing with Nicky today as he went across the, 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 the German store, as he calls it, in down Patrick Little. And as he went across the car park and he had his wee calendars and he was giving out and there was a woman came across furious because someone had left a CD gospel on her windscreen and she threw it at him, threw it on the floor at him. And the old man at 90 picked it up and he said, Dear, I didn't put that in your window, but he was coming over to give her a calendar. He didn't get the chance to give her it. Why? Hard. You would think in a time when, the, when all the headlines, when the fear, when the confusion, when everyone is looking at everything and men don't know where to turn and the suicide is rampant and increasing. There of a young man just over the Christmas period, 23 years old, and... and set his own kitchen and fire, run upstairs and took his own life because he can't cope anymore in lockdown. 23. When the fire engine pulled up and the fire, the firewoman left the engine, she heard the hysterical screams of a mother and she knew something terrible was wrong. Hard. Hard. It's hard, friends. It's hard ground. It's hard. I know there's some turning. And thank God for the ones and twos. But the ground is so hard. Do you know what's worse in the midst of it all? No, what's worse, friends? So much of the church are not interested. There's a sleep that has come. 
There is a sleep that has fallen over the church of Jesus Christ. There's a sleep. People are asleep. We're not concerned. We're not awakened. Do you see the sleep? While the church sleeps, the enemy sows his seed. He sows the seeds of lies and of fear. He sows of seeds of hopelessness in the hearts of young people and old alike. Not knowing where to turn, not knowing who to turn to. Believing that there's no answer, there's no hope and there's no way out. And he sows his seeds and he's sowing them well. And the fruit of it now is manifested all around us. And yet in the midst of it all, the beacon of light that should be the church of Jesus Christ is asleep. I know that maybe some are offended or not happy with that, but it's true. Asleep. Indifferent. Bibles are shut. Prayer meetings are empty. Churches are closed. People are unconcerned that there's a world that is dying and going to a lost eternity without Christ. And Christ is about to come. But we're sleeping. Jesus said to his disciples that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. And in Acts chapter 2, we know it well that the Holy Ghost came and they were all filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. What is Pentecost? Pentecost is not people just speaking in tongues. It's not people that clap their hands and are happy. It's not people that have drums and pianos and organs and choirs. Pentecost is when Jesus Christ comes and lives in a heart by faith and by the power of the Holy Ghost. This world knows that Jesus lives in me. That is what Pentecost is. Christ made alive in a vessel to the glory of the Father, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. Has our nation not had enough of religion and opinions and divisions and arguing over what form of Worship it should be, what form of leadership it should be, what form of preaching it should be, what type of doctrine it should be, what your end time should be. Surely we're asleep when that becomes our focus. Wilt thou not revive us again that your people might rejoice? The Bible tells us of that early church that Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he said, and it shall come to pass in the last of the last days, saith God, I will, I will. How many people believe it's the last days? The word of the Lord says in the last days that he will again pour out his spirit upon all flesh. There might be many different opinions about what revival will look out look like but I'm not so concerned about what it will look like because that's God's business but one thing I do know is this that God will revive his people for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ what happened then should be what we expect to happen today are you expecting God to move do you not believe that it's time that God would move again by his power in the slumber and in the sleep, there needs to be an awakening. But friends, listen carefully because the sleep, the sleep is deep at the minute. It's a deep sleep. It's very difficult to be awakened out of a deep sleep. 
It is likened, of course, to one of the great judges. If you turn back with me just for a moment, in Judges chapter 13, you remember this great champion of Israel. His name was Samson. He is a type of the church. But you know, there were some very important things that the angel of the Lord said to his mother and his father in Judges chapter 13. Some very important things that he shared with them. We know that she was barren, Manoah, his father, and she was desiring that she would have a child. And the angel of the Lord came and appeared under her, verse 3, and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, listen to this, what he said, Now therefore beware, there's something very important about the cost of a fresh anointing. We sang that song tonight and I was apt to sing it, but there's a cost in a fresh anointing. The angel of the Lord said, Now therefore beware, I pray thee, drink not wine nor strong drink. No, that maybe wouldn't be popular in the modern church because we're asleep. Eat not any unclean thing. Be separated from the things of the world. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin the anointing delivers Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. The power of the anointing, what does it do? It destroys the yoke. Mine anointing will destroy the yoke, saith the Lord. It is the anointing. It's by the anointing. But the anointing is a costly thing. And there's a responsibility for a fresh anointing. The angel of the Lord said, Beware. Watch what you do with this. You know, when the great outpourings of the Spirit of God over the years that were well rehearsed in, and we love to read of them, and I don't want to live in 1904 or 1959 or 49 or 59. I want to live in 2021, but I want to live this life in the power of the Spirit of God. And I thank God for those ancient landmarks that remind us that there's a way back to God for the church. But Manoah... Manoah wanted to know what the angel of the Lord said when his wife shared with him. Do you know what he prayed? He says, I'm going to pray that the angel of the Lord would come a second time. Because I want to hear it for myself. And so it tells us in verse 13 of the same chapter that the angel of the Lord appears again and said to Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that come of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, neither nor eat any unclean thing. All that I command her, commanded her, let her observe. There, was a, there is a responsibility upon us. I know that that goes a far cry from a sleepy church today, that there's any responsibility for us to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord that there's any responsibility for us to live a holy life, to, to be separated from the things of the world. I know that's not popular in the church. That is called legalism. 
but it isn't legalism. It's responsibility as a believer to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. He said, beware. You'll call his name Samson, and he will deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. We need a mighty deliverance in the day in which we're living. A mighty deliverance. We need the deliverer to come. We need a move of the Spirit of God. Surely it's the cry of our hearts and we've prayed for many years and we've preached it for many years and we're all versed in all the great revivalists and all the great missions and the great moves of the Spirit of God. Are we not edging ever closer to just the reality, God? We need you to come. You see, the nation isn't turning because it seems as hard as what it's ever been. Actually, I believe the hearts are getting harder, just like the plagues of Egypt. His heart is getting harder. What's worse than all of that is, the Bible says, not if the nation turns, but he said, of my people which are called by my name, if they would humble themselves, and they would turn, he says, then turn from their wicked way. Then I'll hear from heaven. Have you seen the turn? Have you turned? Have I turned? Have we called? Have we cried? Have we wept? The mighty acts of Samson are well rehearsed, are well known. We read them, we teach them, we believe them, we see what it is for a man to have the anointing and the spirit of the Lord upon his life. That's the same spirit that was upon that early church. Mighty signs and wonders. The same works. But we find him in Acts and sorry in Judges chapter sixteen. If you turn over again, I know this is very well known. But in Judges chapter sixteen and verse 18, you see, he was, he was in a place that he should not have been. And he was with a woman that he should not have been with. You see, everything of what they were warned about, they had thrown it off and felt in some way that they could live whatever way they want and still have the anointing and the power of the Spirit of God. It sounds familiar it's familiar language in the generation that we have lived in that we can just do it all, have it all. We can have, we can have the presence of God on a Sunday and we can live whatever way we want the rest of the week. And now we're reaping what we're sowing. And now we're asleep, just like Samson here. It says, And when Delilah saw that he had told her all in his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at once. For he showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. Look what it says. And she made him sleep upon her knees. She made him sleep. How many have fallen asleep? How many believers have fallen asleep on the lap of the world? She called for a man and caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. She began to afflict him 
and his strength went from him. He lost his power. He lost his authority. He lost that anointing that was upon his life. Verse 20, it says, The Philistines, she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out like as other times. I will shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. And the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. What a picture. What a picture. What a reality. What a reality. Friends, it's sobering. But this is a picture of where most, not all, where most of the church have come to today. I don't say that because I'm thinking we are anything special. I say that in all sincerity tonight. God, will you not revive us again? Surely what a picture we see. The vision is gone. The strength is gone. The effectiveness is gone. And yet in the midst of it all, friends, the church sleeps on. And a world is going to hell faster than it's ever gone. Can we believe with the psalmist and can we cry out tonight, Lord, will you not revive us? Will you forgive us? Lord, we repent of our sin, of what we have made it, of what we have done, of what I have done. Lord, would you forgive us for the shame that's on the church of its division, of its arguing, of its decay, of its compromise. Lord, would you not revive us again to live that life, to see thy power and to see thy glory and to see the move of the Spirit of God and the wonderful works of God again work through the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you not revive us again? Friends, I ask you tonight, have you fallen asleep? Are you sleeping? Are you awake? Are you asleep or are you awake? Are you awake to what's happening? Are you awake to the day we're living in? Are you awake that it's the last time? Are you awake that it's the day that there's a departure from the faith and many are falling away from the faith rapidly? Are you awake to a world that's crying out for an answer? Are you awake to the time that we're in? Will he not revive us again? We need that fresh anointing tonight, friends. We got, if we need to, we may not need to. Thank God if we don't, but we need to put some things right. We need to repent of the sin that so easily beset us. We need to repent of the compromise. We need to come again afresh and say, Lord, forgive us. Now, Lord, would you revive me? Would you stir me? Would you stir our hearts to pray effectively tonight? That God would help us. Ulster needs another revival. That's for sure. But it doesn't come. It's not going to come through Stormont. It's not going to come through the committees. It's going to come when God's people get on their knees and say, God, help us and forgive us. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, would you revive me? Friends, tonight, that is the answer for this land, our move of the Spirit of God. Wilt thou not revive us again? How many people need that revival? God, 
have mercy on us. We've been given so much, and to whom much has been given, much will be required. We have everything. We are in need of nothing. We have everything. We are in need of nothing. We have every message at our fingertips. We have every book in our library. We have every concept and every resource available to us at the touch of a finger. And yet, friends, there's never been a time we're more dead and more powerless in a world that's harder and turning and running as fast as it can to hell. God, Lord, humble us and revive us again. Do a work among us. Even do it tonight. Lord, we need a move of the Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would come just into this meeting. Lord, we just lift our hearts to you, Lord, and we cry, O oh God, Lord, would you have mercy upon us, have mercy upon your people, Lord. Oh God, we pray, Lord. Lord, we're crying unto you tonight, Lord, for your help, Lord. Lord, we're crying, Lord, that you, Lord, would take us. Lord, we come. Lord, we ask, oh God, in our weakness, in our frailty, Lord. Lord, even in our own hearts, we cry to you, Lord, in the midst of it all. Oh God, would you come and would you revive us again, oh God. Lord, we're praying that you touch your people across this land, Lord, that Lord, your people, the blood-bought of Jesus Christ, those that are called by your name. Lord, we're praying, Lord, for mercy. We're asking for help, Lord. Lord, where else can we turn, Lord? Who else can we turn to, Lord? But we come to you tonight, Lord. Lord, we're praying that you would deal, Lord, with us according to your mercy. But, Lord, you would revive us again, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Lord, forgive us, O God, for what we have made it, Lord. Lord, forgive us for our pride, Lord, for our great words, Lord, for our, oh God, Lord, for our division, Lord, for our gossip, for our unforgiveness, for our bitterness, Lord. Lord, for the things that have caused the death to come, Lord. Lord, things, oh God, that grieve you, Lord. But Lord, so often we bury, Lord, and we walk on. But oh God, we pray, Lord, that you would do a deep work, oh God. Lord, forgive us, O oh God, Lord, for serving you with our lips, Lord, but our hearts are far from you. Lord, forgive us, Lord, that on our watch, O oh God, we see a world, Lord, that is rapidly, Lord, running into a lost sinner's hell. Oh, Father, we pray, Lord, we're asking for mercy tonight, Lord. Lord, we pray that by the power of your Spirit, Lord, that you would quicken us in this prayer time, Lord, that you would help us to pray that the Holy Ghost would come upon us and we would pray according to your will, Lord, and we pray through tonight, Lord. Lord, the heaven comes down, Lord. You would deal with your people, Lord, in mercy, Lord, but cause us to rejoice, Lord, and cause us, Lord, to be revived afresh, Lord. Oh, God, tonight, Lord, these are not just words on a page, but it's your living word tonight. And, Lord, it is that cry of our hearts. Will you not revive us again, oh, God? Oh, Father, tonight, Lord, we want to rejoice in you, Lord. Oh, God, we pray, Lord, would you come, Lord, would you visit this land? We know you're working and your purpose is being fulfilled in the midst of everything, Lord. Lord, in the midst of the judgments that you're sending, Lord, your purpose and your will is being done, oh, God. And we pray, Lord, that we would awaken. Oh, Father, you would awaken us, oh, God. Oh, Lord, tonight, Lord, would you help us in this time, Lord?
Lord, would you help us, O oh God? Lord, just to come afresh, Lord, and to call in your name, Lord, to be a turning, Lord, amongst your people, Lord, not just in this we fellowship, Lord, but, Lord, across this land, there be a turning, Lord. Oh, God, would you fill our mouths, Lord, with your word? Would you fill our mouths with, Lord, your song, Lord? Lord, would you fill our, our hearts, O oh God, again, Lord? Lord, that out of our innermost being shall flow those rivers of living water. Oh, God, help us tonight, we pray. Anoint the next that we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name.